What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Welcome to episode 82 of Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast, and I'm your host, Peter Pratt, of course. And joining me this week, the UK Goats, of course, as well. Lee Dobbs in the leadoff spot. Lee, how are we? I know, it's good, as always. So I'm enjoying the, the like, ties that, you know, that, <laughs> you know, you know it's like we're playing a football. It is. It's a new phenomenon for, for baseball, isn't it? A tie. A lot of ties. Um, I think they need to they need to work on that. They need to find something fun to do. A home run derby, end. I think. You know, you home run derby. Home run derby would be good. Anyway, you, you're right on that. We'll get into spring and what we've seen very soon. Let's keep the intros rolling. In the two spots, Sean Barrett returns. Sean, how is the router, first of all, and you well? Yes, yeah, so I'm very well, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully I can make all full nine innings today, um, <laughs> and the router doesn't let me down. Well, it's coming through crystal clear, mate, so happy days. We're, we're, we're there now, but we'll see if you're there for the duration. <laughs> um, and of course, in the cleanup spot, Rob Newell returns. Rob, how are we doing? doing very very well and of course if you need to know who the marlins are signing next and want the insider track you know where to come oh boy i don't know what what we're going to go with a a newell nuke a something like that right is that what we're going with that was what we're going for yeah (laughs) a nuclear newell (laughs) (laughs) oh love it um you doing well though rob yeah, doing really, really well. Yeah, it's just nice to watch baseball and listen to baseball again, isn't it? Yes. Even though we're drawing all the time, it does feel like, you know, soccer in the UK yeah. in that regard. But it's really good. And it's good to see the Marlins playing well uh, yeah. in all positions. So it's good. Agreed. All right, guys. Well, we've got a relatively packed schedule. Um We've got plenty of spring trainer stuff to get into. And uh, yeah, as Rob has already mentioned, there's some, you know, we've, we've made another acquisition, let's say, or signed another free agent. So we're going to get into that. Um, Rob knew it was coming, effectively released the news a day in advance. Everyone was crediting Craig Mish with that news, but I know the real uh, scoop and who had it. So well done, Rob. Um, so we got tons, tons of spring and then we're going to get into uh, some of our spring training takeaways. And I've, I've asked Twitter to help us. And there's been some interesting takes on Twitter, that's for sure. Um, that didn't let me down. And we're going to round off, guys, with segment one of our predictions. So uh, we'll get to that right at the back end. I think it's good to finish off with predictions. But let's get into spring. Your Miami Marlins are sitting at the top. Of the Grapefruit League, would you believe? We're a 4-1-2. and two. I think that's correct anyway. It's been a good week, so there's two draws, one defeat, and four wins. Sitting atop of the, the Grapefruit League. Huge Grapefruits. 
Just going to throw that one out there. <laughs> See if that one sticks. Um, Rob, let's start, before we get into spring, let's start with this Gio Gonzalez news because you liked the fit. I think Gio liked the fit too. The Marlins liked the fit. So he's back on a minor deal. Um, is he going to... Is he going to contribute this year in any sort of way, do you see? I think what we were talking about last week was that we needed an experienced head amongst all these hot young starters. And that's and that's what, exactly what we got. Gio was always going to be the right fit in the fact that he wasn't going to be too expensive, like Jacob Dreesy would have been too expensive, nor he is somebody with a, a bit of a liability. He's had, you know, been up or down. I know he didn't have such a great season last year, but he's an experienced head um, who can really give the experience to the players. You've got to imagine that as well as our rotation did last year, it's 162 games. And if players start to fall off, especially if it's someone like Sandy, if he has a real fall off, this will be the first time he's experienced anything really like that. And it's good to have somebody there who's been doing it for years and years and years just to give him that guidance. So I do think he'll be ending up part of the rotation. I know like so like, like how well Trevor Rogers has pitched, but you're not expecting Trevor Rogers to do 150 plus innings this year. So at some point he is going down to AAA and coming back up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to go in the bullpen, someone like that. So there's going to be injuries and having somebody like that to guide it through, especially when you know we're going off form. So he made sense and he uh, was interviewed by um, uh, Brendan Tobin and uh, Leroy Horde on, on their show. And he grew up as a Marlins fan. He is from Hialeah. He, um, you know, he, what he wanted to do was play for the University of Miami and play for the Marlins. He has affection for the old logo and, and the old Billy with these sort of, sort of big, sort of longer, sort of whatever you want to call it the beak or whatever it is i don't know what the technical <laughs> term is i think beak um, will do beaks yeah fine. um so um yeah so he's really really happy to be here and he wants to be here he wants yeah. to play and yes if you look at his sort of stats he did have a you know not such a great year last year compared to where he was in previous years but but he's still 4.83 ERA, put it that way. It is mm-hmm. a short, smaller sample size. But just look at the previous seasons that he's had sort of at, at the Brewers. His ERA was three and a half, 2.13. Um, and we know him more than anything from his time at the Nationals and how much of a pain he was to us. Yeah, he, he really was, was. He was somebody, we were talking last week about how he can go sort of, longer he's, he's someone you're expecting to eat those innings up six or seven innings and against us he has been you know really really dangerous he's got yeah. a low era over the the time he's played against us so for anything it's a benefit to us that he's not playing against us so you know what is going to happen is he's going to anchor that rotation you're going to have the younger guys there one two three four there's going to be a bit of rotation within that. Yeah, you're going to expect Sandy and Pablo, etc. But maybe Sixto won't play a full season. Trevor Rogers will be there. But all the time, you're hoping that Gio is there to give the experience and the advice. So it's a great fit. Yeah, you're right on the uh, on the media 
session today with Gio, he was he was absolute flames with the media today. He was just, you know, he's a straight up Marlins fan, actually playing for the Marlins. And so it's awesome when you have those guys that just they were childhood fans of the team. And so they, you know, they've got a lot of fond memories of, you know, the history of the Marlins. And like you said, you know, he was talking about the teal and black and Billy the Marlin and saying, you know, I miss, I miss that fish, you know, the, the old school logo. And, and also the other thing that I think was really pertinent was him calling out the fans specifically and going, Hey, you haven't seen baseball for a year in the stands get your asses down to Marlins Park this year and, you know, and the product on the field is good. You haven't seen it. Get your asses down there. There is no excuse. No excuse. So good on it. Good on Gio. I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. So, but well done, Rob, on breaking that news too. That uh, was, that was impressive. Um, we'll come, we'll check, we'll, you know, keep us abreast of anything else that's bubbling along uh, that, that you're aware of. Lee Dobbs, Lee Dobbs. Let's get into some rotation talk off the back of that as well. We, this week, I think we saw Trevor Rogers' uh, first start of spring. We were talking him up. I, I think I was talking him up, definitely. Um, we, so he was being talked up, let's say. And he came out and for me, he just threw fire. Um, every, and coming away from that, everyone is pumping Rogers now. Everywhere I've seen, everyone's like, fantasy people are going, Trevor Rogers. I'm pumping him on the NL East preview. Everyone's pumping him. Um, what did you see from Trevor? Uh, and let's have a quick kind of rotation update from you. Does Trevor crack it? Oh, well, it's like I always had him, you know, as that, that fifth, fifth starter. Obviously, signing Geo. I mean, has that changed that? You know, maybe. But, I mean, we could put Gio in the pen, which obviously he has done, you know, last season he did. So that, that is an option, but I don't think we would have signed him. To me, we signed him as, as you know, a starter. So it, it's, it's it. I mean, I, I think he does He does deserve a spot, Rogers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean that, that, that was a great, great start. You know, he had to come out firing, especially as he, you know, he'd missed the, the, missed the first... Go, go, go! A week or so, yeah. So he, he he came out firing. So yeah, I mean, but as I say, there, there there is issues now with like you know we got Sixto who still haven't hasn't been seen yet. Mm-hmm. So maybe he he might not not start in you know, you know in the row the like row you know, as we 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 before he would. Yeah. So he, he he could start in the minors with you know, which will free up a spot. No, Sam, I don't think you know the combination of Sixto. Uh, you know, Rogers and and uh, you know Hernandez won't well you know you know like last last of the season. So 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 Geo being there, you know, you know, is good good for that. But yeah, I think Geo will be in the rotation to start off with. Well, and it it might be Rogers that misses out, but I think we will see him. You know, by the end end of April, start start of May. Yeah, I, what about? Uh, just going slightly away from it. Well, no, but what about Eliezer? Because Eliezer, I think, had the start yesterday. So, as you know, we record this on Tuesday. He, he got a bit, he got a bit beaten up yesterday, didn't he, um, Eliezer? He obviously yeah. missed half of the shortened season last year. Going down was really good for the first half um, mm-hmm. when he was around. So, 
could Eliezer be on the cusp or is he just, you know, a vet and he's locked in now? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, if he struggles again, you know, I mean, you know, not, not more one start, maybe if by spring he's still got, you know, an ERA of about six or seven, mm. yeah, you know, I, I think he could be in danger because, I mean, he did well last year. But obviously, he doesn't have the like track record, you know, you know to think, oh, you know, it'd be, be fine. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah you know, I, I think he, you know, he, he could miss if he has a really bad spring. Then yeah, yeah, you know, you know, he could could be be the one to start off, you know, in the minors. It's tough, isn't it? I I get the sense with the guys that you know, we're not we're in the position of the best guys right now will play. Yeah. And I, that's just the the general sense. And so if Eliezer isn't right and they, they, they call it out and say, listen, you've had a bit of a, a, a duff spring. Um, Rogers just keeps throwing fire. They make a decision. They want Gio in there for, you know, yeah. veteran presence. Because I think Gio is in. So it will be in general. Obviously, Brian, he, he has a good, good spring as well. True. So, I, mean, I mean, but that, 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 that is one of the reasons, reasons you, know, like, you know, why we, we've signed him because, you know, if some of the young guys guys do do struggle, mm-hmm. you, know, you, know, you know, he's a ready-made you know, like starter. And this, it isn't just what he does on the field, right? And I think this is the bit that I sensed. It was, what can he bring to the clubhouse of a vet guy who's been there and done it for years? What can he do to help the other guys, you know, through some of the, the pains, um, if there are any? I mean, we hope that there, that there isn't, but, you know, there will be. So, okay. Sean, are you still with us? He is. I am very much with us, yes. He's there, he's there. The route is holding up, which is excellent. <laughs> give us give us the rundown on Sixto. Lee touched on it then. We haven't seen him yet. Um, what's the what's the holdup? And is there any risk that Sixto doesn't make it for opening week? Yeah, so Sixto, um, yeah, as you said, has been a bit slow at the gates, um, has, has some visa issues. Um, getting back into the country, um, and then a false negative uh, COVID test. So, yeah, obviously we haven't seen him. He's done a little bit of work behind the scenes, and I think we're almost ready to sort of see him in the next couple of days. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little concerned. Okay. Um, as far is it because I drafted him in that fantasy league? Is that what, that's what it is, yeah? Indeed, yeah. No, I, th- <laughs> I think Sixto has the highest upside of all the pitches in the, in the rotation. Mm-hmm. For the Marlins, um, I think his stuff is just that good. Um, now, if this was in the pre- previous regime, I would be saying, well, they're going to hold him back. There's going to be some service time manipulation. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't rule that out even now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the reasons he's behind are you, you know, genuine reasons. Um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him on the mound in the next three or four days. Um just yeah. to see what he's pitching like. I think I heard um, somebody saying that the team want to see him at 75 pitches um, or be ready to throw 75 pitches from opening day. That kind of creates um, a target on his back of saying, right, you're not ready yeah. to pitch opening day. We're going to send you down, Not probably not to the minors, maybe just to extend, extended uh, spring training. Um because they can, they actually genuinely control whether or not he throws seventy five pitches. You know, they can go in and go right. You're throwing three or four innings. Let's pull you. I don't think that will happen. I'm, <laughs> I'm too old in the tooth to remember the previous regime and mm-hmm. see all the things that they did. 
um, to tr- uh, sort of save money here, there and everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think it's the same anymore. I think it is a case of they will hold him back just because um, with the Geo signing, I'm actually surprised Geo was available. Um, he had a bad year last year, like Robert said, um, but he's, you know, he's had a good career. If you look at his numbers, he's not just some guy that's been in the majors throwing four, five, six ERA junk um, like we're used to seeing at the uh, mm. fifth, sixth spot as a Marlins fan. He's a genuine pitcher, and for us to sign him on a, a non-guaranteed $1 million contract if he makes a team, that's a steal. Um, and before the signing, I thought we didn't need to do that. I thought we had the depth. But now that we have signed in, I can see the real value there for the team. I think it's a nice move. I I was surprised they hadn't made it earlier. I, You know, when Jose was moved, I felt that there was always a spot there for a vet to come in. Like was, was just my sense. Like I know, I know Sandy's seen as a vet, but Sandy's 25. Pablo just turned 25 last week as well. You know, these dudes are, they're young, they're young. And it's good to have an really experienced guy knocking around. I think, you know, like you said, Sean, Gio is just, you know, he's a proper stud. He's an MLB stud. He's been around. He he, he can do it. He's done it. So, you know, he isn't a junk baller. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you're just kind of tagging in just to try and eat anything. You know, we've not got a Tazawa knocking around here now. So I um, can't believe I mentioned Tazawa actually today. So let's move on from that one relatively quickly. So Sixto, is he there opening week, opening weekend? You know, we've got, I think, a three-game set with the Rays. Maybe Sixto would be potentially slotted in for the three spot. Do you see him making that? I think the next couple of days are really key. Mm-hmm. Um if, if he'd come to camp and we'd seen plenty of him already, I would have said I would have him there locked in. I'm that I'm really high on six though. Um, you know, he could come out and in his first start, he's probably going to go two innings um, or less, depending on how it goes. But if he can come in and, you know, face six to eight batters um, through his two innings, get a couple of Ks and look like the six though that we, we saw last year, um, then yeah, I think well, I think he's fine for that. He shows a little bit of rust, yeah. um, which will probably come with command. He starts walking a couple of guys. Um, you know, it's it's going to put the questions out there, and it's going you know with Geo in the in the side now, and you know some of the other pitchers. Rogers pitched very well. Um, it, it would lead to questions, I think, and it would put mm-hmm. some pressure on him. Um, but I hope he does make it because, I, like I said, I'm I am high on him. The upside's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The question is, is what's the floor for Sixto? Like, the level of variance is is the biggest of any of any of the pitches. I think the ceiling is he has the highest ceiling, but I think at the moment he has probably the lowest floor as well. I I don't know. Anyway, Rob Newell, well, Rob Newell. Before I've I've got a couple of other topics for you on the on the hitting side, but just a quick one on Sixto. Um, any any lingering doubt for you or or anything associated to him? Actually, the other question we have is he obviously started well last year. Then when Seams got a second, third look at him, you know, things it was trickier for him. It definitely was on that second, third time around. Um, it, you know, is, is that a concern or is it just 
you know, he'll he'll find a way to figure it back out. I mean, it's so tough. It's kind of cat and mouse, isn't it? With the, uh, you know, he blasts everyone away. Then the then the hitters get a look, and then it's up to him to make some adjustments himself. I think if he if he was still on the Phillies, I don't think he would have been uh, had his major league start you know, last year. I think it would have been another year or whatever because they got more of established sort of rotation, et cetera. Um, but because he was with us and the situation we were in, especially with, you know, you know, we've been through it so many times, COVID and 60 players or whatever it was we, we had last year. Yeah. You know, he, he came in as a necessity, really, in the end. Um, he obviously was on high on confidence. The first few starts were just ultimate, you know, when you go the distance, even if it is a seven innings, it's it's really impressive for for a young guy. Yes, they found him. They they saw him first time round. They did the analytics. They worked out what pitches he did, which were maybe not so good. And but that's there's you say the cat and mouse. He has got to work on those areas, and he will come back. And yeah. there was a, he did sort of right near the end, he had a couple of good performances. So, you know, especially obviously against the Cubs. So, you know, that was the ultimate performance, wasn't it? Because it, it, it won you the wild card. So it's, you know, uh, I, I think people being down on him just because he had a few dodgy, you know, bits and pieces at the sort of getting into September or whatnot, I, I, I don't think is relevant. In regards to him having a slow start, I really take spring training with a massive pinch. So we're talking about Alicia Hernandez. Mm. Well, I think the day after we did this, the last podcast, he did pitch and he pitched okay. A couple of innings, a couple of strikeouts. Yeah. You know, just because he has a sort of a bad game next time, it doesn't really matter. He could be trying out new things. Yeah. So it's going to be the breadth of the work through spring training or decide what that rotation is. But the, the key thing is, is that, Sixto does get in and 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 have a few games just to see if he's up to speed. If he doesn't, for whatever the reason is, whether it's to do with you know visa issues, you know false COVID tests, maybe he's not quite in the same shape as the others or what he should be. You know that's obviously conjecture, but um, then he will start down in AAA, just like any other player will do because they've all got to at some point or obviously not Gio and you'd hope not Sandy or or Pablo but no. there's going to be that rotation so yeah. I'm not that worried okay what I was going to ask you about was the leadoff spot actually so let's get into this I don't know if it's a battle I mean you know the reality is Corey Degerson Starling Marte are going to be hitting at the top of the Marlins lineup this year um the question is, is in, in what order? When I when I look at those two guys, one of them looks like a leadoff hitter and maybe the other doesn't, but I'm intrigued to get your sense in terms of the way you think the Marlins will play it. And and secondly, whether it really matters. <laughs> Does it really matter? Um, I don't so- I don't I don't think it matters too much. I think the only the only consideration you kind of have with Marte is that the fact that he can steal bases. Yeah. So you know, uh, what, you know, obviously depends on what position you are and you could go through in innings and the uh, the, the leadoff guy is the, the third batter in, you know, yeah. it, it's only at the start where it really makes any difference. I never understand why there is such a, a big fuss 
fuss or a hoo-ha about it, to be honest with you. Mm. But um, obviously you want to get somebody on the uh, up there who's on good form, who normally can, you know, the, the pitcher when he throws the first few pitches might be a touch rusty as he goes out there. So you want someone with experience, really, really good eye, and someone who's not really going to, you know, unless you've got a Cunha Jr., not somebody who's probably going to hit a home run straight off the bat, mm-hmm. um, unless you've got that mega talent. So Jazz maybe Chisholm, biggest, maybe. Could be Jazz Chisholm. <laughs> that's why they put John Bertie up there sometimes, because the idea is that he will, you know, bloop one in, uh, and then suddenly you've got this speedy guy on base, and that that's the whole point. Just get on, get to first base, John. We don't really, you know, don't really need a home run from you. We, yeah. <laughs> we just want yeah. you to, you know, and so... Yeah, maybe that suggests that Marte might be the better person at the top, but I don't think it really matters. Um, no. As long as you've got the best bats to start with up there to give you the... Because the, the what you really, really want is that first innings to get some runs on the board to get that good start. Yeah, agreed. Lee Dobbs, I want a relatively brief deep dive. So I'm not sure if that actually makes sense. A brief deep dive, but anyway... Um, you know what I'm saying. Um, I want to dig into Corey Dickerson specifically because last year, I remember coming away from the opening weekend before the COVID outbreak, but the opening day or two thinking, this dude looks a real professional hitter. Like I think that was the general language that was used for Dickerson. As the season went on, I think people got frustrated with Dickerson he didn't, he didn't have a great year, and I think we got a bit frustrated with him. And then we've kind of gone into the offseason, and I don't know. There's just not much buzz with Dickerson. Yeah. But he's kind of announced himself back into spring, and then it's kind of reminded me that, hey, Corey Dickerson, he's a real <laughs> good hitter. Like, he's a really good hitter. So where are you sitting on Corey now? Are you loving Corey? Are you kind of in the frustrated camp? What's your sense on him? Yeah, I mean... I was the same last year, you know. You know, saying he started off well, you know, and you know he was he was fouling pitches off. I think he had like you know, 11, 12, 12 pitches, you no know, at bats. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, as the season wore on, he he seemed to fade, you know, fade away a bit. And obviously his fielding was a bit, you know, dodgy, just to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and I say yeah, he he was sort of the the like, forgotten man. Yeah, but but now as I say, it's, you know, it's been a good you know good start 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 to spring. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ha, you know, hopefully he can you know like you know carry carry on you know for you know, for the rest of the spring, you know, and into April. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's been impressive so far. And, you know, I, I think he's still got got some value, you know, you know, value to have. Obviously, we want him to do do well, yeah, you know, for the team. Also, he's you know he he could be a good. A trade chip, you know, you know, you know, come, you know, you know, June, June, July time. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to see him, see him do well. And 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 as you said, we we got Sanchez, you know, who came in a bit last year. And I was it. We said he 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 went one for twenty five. Was it? Yeah. So they're not really not really someone someone ready yet to like take his spot. So yeah, you know, you know, be be good to 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 see him, you know, like. You know, do do well, and he can have have power, you know, you know as well. So, you know, I, I think if he hits second, B 
behind Marseille, you know, yeah, it's a good one too. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's a solid one too, really. I mean, I, I love Marte, but I think clearly we all really like Marte and excited to have him, you know, a full year. Dickerson, the, the other thing with Dickerson, uh, you're right, those at-bats, you know, early in the season, he was just chewing pitches, wasn't he? he was, and I think that's why he ended up to the, towards the top of the lineup. Like, yeah. he's not a... He's not a prototypical leadoff hitter, right? But he was up there, I think, just to chew through pitches, yeah. you know, try and take him 10, 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was something that, that we have been, been missing for years as well. So, you know, it was good to see see that that from him. Well, I mean, it was bloody chalk and cheese last year, right? Because we went from Jonathan VR in the leadoff spot, who'd swing every time at the first pitch. And then they were like, right, let's get rid of him. Let's get Dickerson up there. Yeah. Let's get Dickerson like the, the complete opposite. Um, you know, it was it was crazy. We're gonna get into VR a little bit later, so <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll pause that one. When I think, you know, to finish up on on Dickerson, I, I the the things I've heard uh, in the last couple of days around Corey is that he's growing into the clubhouse a bit. He's he's obviously one of the vets anyway, but he's been there for a season albeit shortened he's grown into it covid really affected him he was really struggling with the family situation too so being he he effectively was isolating away from his family and it really impacted him and this the stuff in the hotel i know when he spoke about it he was he really struggled mentally i think with all that was going on and so i think really if we get a mentally right Corey dickerson one that is in the clubhouse leading some of these young young outfielders and just wider. Everyone's speaking really highly of Dickerson. All the young guys are saying Dickerson, Dickerson. I keep hearing it over and over. So for me, if his head's right, I think we could have a, a real massive return for Dickerson. And I think we'll look back in a few months ago. Holy shit, Corey Dickerson. He's straight up dude. Um, and, and he could, could be one of the players where 2020, you know, you know it's just a blip. You know, in their career, because you know, it's, it's so hard, hard to judge. You know, you know, short season, you know, there's there so, so much going on. So, you know, it, you know, he can be, be like forgiven for, you know, like for, you know, for like a down, down year. I think so. And when I look back, it wasn't down, down. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't there was terrible, some, there, there was some absolutely rancid seasons that some people are writing off going, hey, it was just 2020. It was COVID. Some absolute superstars of the game that were, that were dog shit and were writing it off. Yelich, perfect example. Christian Yelich, you were dog shit in 2020. Most people writing it off. You know, Corey Dickerson had a better year than Yelich. Um, yeah. I don't know the numbers. I'm not looking at them, but I know he did. Um, anyway, don't take me down a rabbit hole of, of Yelich right now. We'll save that for another, another pod. Sean, we need to get into this second base, uh, second base position battle. And it, it, it truly is the only position battle but it is truly a really good battle with Jazz and Isan. How are you seeing it now after, what, just over a week's worth of play? I mean, I'm probably in the same place as I was before the games. Um, I mean, it's a good problem to have. It's a really good problem to have. Um, I think Isan, he's done what he needs to do in the minors. Um, he had a good year in AAA. Um, I think he's shown everything he needs to show. Um, Chisholm... He, he looks like a great player. He looks like a real um, spark plug for the team. But he's he's not had that minor league um, sort of 
development. He's only played a couple of games above Abel. Uh, so I think I think he goes down for a bit more seasoning. Um, that's where I am. Bertie is locked in as the the uh, Swiss Army knife on the yeah, bench. Yeah. Um, Miggy obviously is not moving anywhere anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> that, that's that's where I think I think he is in his last year of his contract though. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think he deserves an extension. I think they will end up doing it. it you know, if they do a, a, a two-year contract with a vesting option on the second year, maybe mm-hmm. see how that goes. Um, so yeah, at the moment, I think it's Ezan's job to to lose. I think he'd really have to have a bad spring training. Um, and he is he isn't having a bad one. And he absolutely he really isn't. isn't. Um, so it's it is a case of it's his job to lose. I think without any injuries, you're going to see him start in the second base. You're going to see Chisholm down um, in the minors with Miggy at shortstop and Bertie on the bench. I mean, we spoke about it last week. I think when we said it's the one position battle, but the one that doesn't win it will not be up with the big club to start because there's no there's no spot for them. Um, and 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 Donny kind of you know was, was stuck to that really. So whoever win, and what another interesting bit as well, he said now for the rest of spring, effectively, the guys will alternate in and out at second base. So we've had a couple of days where you've had like Jazz and Isan playing together, Jazz at, at short. But I think effectively now it's like, a you know, they're just rolling in and out at second base and see how it goes. But when I, I think uh, Geff and uh, JP, on the on the broadcast last night, the Marlins radio broadcast. Anyway, they absolutely they went into some detail on this, and I think they hit the nail on the head. They kind of came away with, "Listen, Isan has got nothing left to prove at AAA. Um, Jazz has never played at that level. Um, yes, he's a he's a big talent for the Marlins, but really, it's Isan's job. It's Isan's job to lose right now. He he needs to be given it. And the way they I think they framed it or JP framed it was. You gotta, you gotta see what's there. He's done what all he can do at AAA. You need to see if the dude can can transfer it to the major league level, and he should be given that opportunity. And I agree. Um, I, I, I'm abs- I'm, I'm all in on jazz, as we know. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge jazz man <laughs> um, right now. But it's, it should be sounds turn. And listen, he's, he's hitting. And is the one thing I must say, defensively, he's looking slick miles slicker than he was when he saw him in 2019. And he also, he also spoke this week about mentally how he struggled. He struggled at the major league level and he's been doubting himself and all this type of stuff, stuff that Monte Harrison spoke about as well on a press of this, you know, earlier this month. We shouldn't forget these dudes. Have, they've only had, you know, some of them have had 20 games, 30 games, 50 games. I think, you know, Isan's maybe had 70 games something like that, maybe 60. Really had no time at all in the, in the, at the major league level. And so, you know, it feels wrong to discard someone like that that was the Marlins minor league player of the year, if I'm not mistaken, in 2019, hit about 30 bombs in, in AAA. And, you know, just a... I mean, there was that game, that Mets game, I'm not sure I've been as excited about a Marlins game for a long, long time, that Isan Diaz debut. It, I mean, his parents have never been more excited about a game either, that's for sure. But um, 
yeah, it's. I think we're all leaning that way now, where it should be Isan's to to you know, unless something drastic happens, I think Isan grabs it. One other final piece, just want to note, and you know, hope you're listening, um, Geff, uh, and any of the other guys, uh, JP or uh, Kyle Seelaf. You know, I, I called it out on Twitter. I I've not been a Marlins radio guy historically, but ha- having that as the only real outlet for us, I, having sitting there listening and enjoying the coverage i have to say it's absolutely sensational the 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 way you guys do what you do is is truly unbelievable so tip my cap to you guys that's geff jp kyle Seelaf, kelly sacco's hopped onto a, a a broadcast or two she's done an incredible job uh obviously tommy's dropped uh, in for a couple of games too i think so you know it's it's a real impressive crew um hopefully Paul Severino and, and, and Todd Holly are kind of dusting off their mic and they're ready to go once once they're let off the leash, uh, once once a TV deal's sealed. But anyway, that, I think, covers the main bits for spring. I put it out to Twitter and I'll put it out to you guys as well now. I want some spring training takeaways. And I asked this on Twitter. So I'll just cover, I'll let you guys ponder on that. If there's anything that we've missed, anything that you've seen, but here's what we got from the guys on Twitter. Alex Carver, um, friend of the show and a, another stud, <laughs> he listed loads. So let me start with, with Alex's. He's got Monte is on the verge of a breakout. I think what he's getting at there is Monte is hitting balls really hard, but getting unlucky with it. Isan is leading the second base job, um, which is true, which is what we just mentioned. Lewin Diaz is bigger and better than last year, which is true. And he has also called out that Nicky Nider, Braxton Garrett are throwing the ball harder than they've ever thrown the ball. That's good news as well. Braxton Garrett actually was really impressive uh, yesterday, I think. Uh, I think a couple of innings for him. Uh, Rob, anything on those guys there? Uh, Lewin Diaz, Nick Nider, Braxton Garrett, Monte Harrison? Uh, Lewin Diaz's glove work was pretty impressive there was uh uh uh, again that Mets game there was a I can't remember who hit it but it was driven really hard Mm. and he just caught it just you know plucked it out of out of the air and um looked you know really impressive at first base and it did it, it does bring that first base question back into your mind again even though we know it's between Jesus Aguilar and Cooper but yeah he is knocking on the door behind. He's definitely got those skills. And uh, it's just, just seeing it with the bat. Um, and when it comes to Nida and Garrett, yeah, again, just like we were talking about earlier, they'll all get to see action during mm. the year because it's going to be a long, long season. The fact that they are throwing harder, they they look confident. I thought Garrett looked really confident last year when they brought him, him, him in. So, yeah, they're, they're good takeaways there. I think... Um, Overall, my my takeaways have been sort of with the you know the pitching overall looking good and everybody looking on form and bits and pieces like that. And I'm trying to really look down at some of the younger players and seeing who is ready to come up. And we talked about Jesus Sanchez looking a little bit out of sorts at the moment. Yeah. So quite clearly he's not really pushing for anything. Um, Monte Harrison. Is starting to look better and better at his at bats. There's some that still look a bit, you know, a bit all over the place. But we, Whiffy. 
again, there was again, an, um, oh, what was it? Um, Jeff McNeil had a bit of a mare and they, again, he evaded being caught between, you know, that, that runner in between the, 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 the two fielders. Yeah. And he, he did that last year. I think that was against the Cubs. And it just shows what an athlete he really is. There's another point where he caught a ball or went to catch a ball in the outfield and slid studs up towards their bullpen. They all jumped out of the way and then just stood up. And he, he just think yeah, he's a real true athlete. So I kind of hope he gets it written with the bat. And I, I, I love to see things like that because you know full well there's a, you've got a good clubhouse, a lot of confidence when you, you've got players sort of messing about like that and having a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so there's very few players at the moment you think not quite they're sure. But a lot of the younger ones, even like Blade, it's good to see him have a get, but it's quite clear he's not quite ready. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're the takes, really. Yeah. I the, the Monte one's funny. It, he he really is such a a really switched on base runner. He really is like in those situational moments there, the 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 play you're talking about, where got drilled to third base, he was effectively then caught in a rundown but pump the brakes to try and make him tag him so he couldn't turn a double play at first. Then because he did that, McNeil fumbled it and, you know, next thing is they're safe on first and third. But it wasn't just a, oh, I'm just going to run straight into it. I'm not thinking like Jonathan VR would have done, probably. Um, he, he switched on and forces mistakes because he's electric. So I love Monte. I love that take from Alex. A lot of people will dispute that and say, show me the hit, show me the home runs. And there hasn't been many. What Alex is saying is, it's there because the batted ball, the exit velo is up, heavily up, contact's up, velo's up. So you just need luck to start going your way. Next thing is, you know, you're hitting doubles and triples instead. And um, then it looks very different. So that was good. A couple of others I'll just read out and then I'll get, uh, get yours, Lee, and... And Sean, so <laughs> fish stripes, fish stripes are all over the gas. They are loving the heat from Anthony Bender. They are fully on the Bender bandwagon. I've been on a few Bender bandwagons actually over uh, over the years, but um, that's maybe another story for another podcast. But um, they're all over him, just saying they're loving the the gas. I think he's throwing like ninety eight mile an hour, uh, which is great. He's also retweeting it on, on Twitter. So he's active, which is great to see. Um, what else have we had? Oh, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Um, uh, ja- so it's at Jazz Herbado has put Dickerson is back and his plums are bigger than ever. So yeah, another Dickerson fan. We're all liking Dickerson. And Dickerson maybe is now taking over Kinsler and the huge plums. I don't know, but it's good to see it's good to see Dickerson. I'm I'm kind of intrigued about this a dick shot with huge plums kind of call later on in the season. Let's see how that one rolls off the tongue. Um Lee Dobbs, anything further from you in terms of spring takeaways before we get into these predictions? Uh the only takeaway I'd say is how ready we look, you know, already. Yeah. No, like, good call. Good so call. far, the whole lineup. You know, you know, they they've all done well. Apart from, I think Duval is struggling, but you know, he, you know he's a vet. You know, we 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 are not too too worried too worried about him. Yeah, but yeah. Everyone else has been been good. You know, the the, the hits are coming. There's a, you know a few a few stolen bases. There's power. You know, we we've seen some home runs. 
so yeah, I sent the pigeon, and pigeon's been strong. So yeah, it's, it's it's more just after what 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 will be ten days or so, you know, you know, they all look look you know ready. I love it. Perfect summary, mate. That that could be the uh, that could be the title of this podcast. There, I like that. Sean, round us off, buddy, with the uh, spring training takeaways thus far, and then we'll get into these predictions. Yeah, one of the uh, takeaways I had was actually from watching non-Marlin games. Mm. Um, I haven't done much of that, but the first day off that the Marlins had, I was, you know, I just needed something to watch, so I just picked a couple of games and I watched parts of some of the games. And one thing I noticed was this this new spring training rule where you can just say after. 30 pitches. Oh, that's the end of the inning now. So you'd see a guy give up a grand slam and then they'd go, oh, that's it. End of the inning. <laughs> and it just, Imagine it, if we could do that when Chen was here. <laughs> it was really bizarre. But the thing that I took away from it was that's not happened in the Marlin games. I know that that happened for the Mets in the game that we last played. Yeah, um, the starter. They they pulled the they, starter and then they, they let him start actually in the second inning. So in they, the second they basically inning, they said... Him, then they pulled him again. Yeah. But Marlins haven't done that, or they, at least I have not noticed that anyway. No, they haven't. Um, so it was a takeaway saying, look, these pitchers, they've come to camp ready. They're, they're throwing their pitchers. They're getting the job done, um, Love it. Which, is, which is ultimately all you want them to do. Love it. Uh, great call as well. It is wacky. These spring training rules, are uh, they're tough to keep, keep track of, really. Like, what? What are we playing? Some days we start playing and it's only like three, four innings in. The next thing is uh, Marlins radio go, hey, by the way, it's a seven inning game. You're like, oh yeah, shit, it is seven innings. <laughs> um, or, you know, you're going, hey, it's nine. The next thing is it starts raining. You go, actually, let's just call it now. We've had enough of this one. Or yeah, we've got pitchers being pulled in innings and then starting the next inning, coming back. You know, innings just being wrote off because, well, He's, he's reached his pitch count. No one's up in the bullpen. Fine, let's just call this one. It's, <laughs> it's complete madness, but it's, you know, it, it goes, the point that it makes is spring training truly does not count. Like it truly, truly does not count. It is there, you know, solely as a tune-up. Um, but, and here's the other thing, really, we're not seeing, we look ready and we're not seeing any injuries kicking in yet either. There's no real health bits that we've seen from any of the guys that's encouraging too okay guys let's finish this one off uh with our segment one of our predictions so we're going to save the big nl east predictions and rundown and you know get into all the detail for for a later part a little bit nearer the season but for now i need four people from you guys four different players the ask is who is going to be the home run leader who is going to be the stolen base leader the save leader and the win leader if you really care about wins pitching wins but they're the four categories guys let's start with stolen bases in the leadoff spot lee dobbs stolen base leader for the marlins in 2021 is starling Marte. starling Marte. how many do you think he gets Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've caught I've caught you there. I'm assuming he plays caught stealing with that one. <laughs> assuming he plays, say one, yeah, about 155 games or so. You know, 150, 30, 30 bags from Marte. Whoa, yeah, love it. it it's, it's between him or Bertie, but I think he'll obviously get more you know, at bats and chances to steal. So 
Yeah, I think so. Martin. Love it. Love it. Sean Barrett, any follow-up on that one? I think the, the hardest thing to determine is if Marte is going to play 150 games for the Marlins or whether he's going to play 110 for us and then 40 for another team. Mm-hmm. For that reason, I'll go Bertie. Okay. You think the the old the super util guy won't be moved? <laughs> no, we'll keep him. Um, I think he ends up getting 350, 400 at-bats. Yeah. There's and, plenty and of playing time for Birdie. There really yeah. is. And he'll, he'll, get, he'll get 22, 24 stolen bases probably by the end of the year. Bloody hell, I better get him, get him in some of my fantasy teams if that's uh, to be believed. Rob Newell, what about you, stolen base leader? Well, yeah, a full season, you'd thought it would be Marte. His previous years... Um, he has had, if you go from, let's go right the way back to like 2013, it was 41 and then 30, 30, the next two years of 47. Um, and then 21 in 2017, although he had, uh, he was uh, less at bats. 2018 is 33, 2019, 25. He's on the slide a little bit. Um, so compared to where he was. So I'm going to say Marte gets 22, but John Bertie gets 25 because I think injuries and things. I think yeah, I think Bertie will be all over the place and as long as he's fit. I think he'll steal more. Bertie's stats from in regards to how many stolen bases he had, he got 17 in 2019, and that was only off 73 games. So. Um, yeah, and a lot of those were like little bits and pieces where he just came in as a, you know, a pinch hitter. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those those two seem to be the favourites, right? I mean, I, I honestly feel I, I'm in Lee's camp in terms of where Marte can get to. I, I feel like the Marlins want to run. Like, philosophically, we want to run. And Marte, I think, will be a big part of that. So I think... If he plays a full year, he will get to or beyond 30. The other thing, though, is if Jazz Chisholm, if he play, if he if he gets a job and plays most of a season, if he plays three quarters of a season, I think Jazz could be our stolen base leader. But there's playing time concerns there. So I'm going to say Marte and he gets past 30 as well. A bit like Lee. So awesome. Let's go pitching. Let's get into wins. Can you predict wins? <laughs> Is it a stat? Does anyone care? Doesn't matter. Lee Dobbs, who's going to have the most wins for the Marlins in 2021? Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I think it's a, you know, it's a point, yeah, it's a point, pointless stat. But it's, but to, to just to just give an answer, be Sandy. I think it's. I mean, it's probably between Sandy and pa- and Pablo. You know, assuming they, they will stay healthy for the whole season. Okay. But yeah, Sandy, because I think he will go longer in games, so it gives the pen less chance to blow it for him. So yeah, Sandy with yep. 12. 12 wins for Sandy, like it. Sean, how are you seeing this one? Yeah, I think I'm in the same position um, with Sandy. He's pitched uh, the most innings in, in, in a season of all the pitchers that we've got, apart from probably Gio, actually. Um, so he pits what 199 and a third off the top of my head in 2019. It was close to 200, wasn't it? It was real close, yeah. I think he had to go like eight or nine in his last start, he didn't quite get there. 
So I think, yeah, Sandy gets the most wins, 13, 14 in that region. Um, okay. But yeah, it all, it all depends on health. It doesn't, as far as a pitcher's stat wins, it's, it's pointless, basically. <laughs> but, but the more, I'm glad yeah, I asked this one. A, a team stat is far more important. It's a far more important stat, obviously. <laughs> all right, Rob, pointless stats, but who's your pointless stat leader? Well, the, the thing with Sandy was that 2019 season, he won six and lost 14 games with a low ERA mm-hmm. because it, it does depend. Uh, the team obviously was not good that season in regards no. to where we were. And it just depends on what's around you. So you can, the number of times we've seen that, you know, we've got a good pitcher, go through eight innings, not give up any runs, uh, and then they lose in there at the death and that's it. So um, I, it will be Sandy uh, just on the basis that Pablo obviously has more injury concerns than Sandy has had, although we hope that both of them go through the whole season. Um, but Sandy with, I don't know, 10 wins. All right. I'm not going for the full house, by the way. I'm not, I'm not taking Sandy. Sandy is an absolute machine. and I love him. I absolutely love him. But here's the problem for Sandy. When you are the ace, you end up matched up with the other ace. And there are a lot of aces knocking around. And so I think that's going to hurt Sandy. So my thought is, on a pointless stat, I'm going to go Trevor Rogers. Because there is no better fifth starter in the whole of the major league than Trevor Rogers this year. And Trevor is going to be pummeling the other fifth guy in the rotation who's going to be a bag of spanners. So Trevor gets more than 10 wins. How about that? I am pumping the life out of Trevor Rogers. This what could go wrong. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's stay in pitching. Let's stay there. Lee Dobbs, save leader, save leader. I, uh, I think there's a few candidates, but where yeah. are you sitting? Uh Assume I'd, I'd go Bass because I think he's going to start off as the closer. But yeah, you know, assume he doesn't implode you know, straight away. He'll have, you know, he'll have the job for the first few months at, at least. So yeah, Bass. But I'm confident he will do well and he'll get about 26 saves. Okay, like it. Sean, is Bass the man? He is for me. I'd like to go elsewhere and pick up some of more of the bullpen pieces that we've got because I think we've actually built a pretty good bullpen um, from a position where at the beginning of the off season we were going, well, you know, where are we going to get these innings pitched from? So I think it'd still be bad. He got the first opportunity um, straight out of the bat at spring training. They gave him the first inning after Sandy's two inning start. So I think that was them saying, you know. This is this is where we expect you to be pitching. Let Sandy go, you know, eight innings, and then let's bring out Bass and close the door. Um, he pitched really well, actually. I had him down as he pitched to five batters, and he threw a first strike pipe, uh, pitch to four of them, which I think is actually a really important stat. I actually tracked that for all the starters um, over spring training, just because I think that's a really important stat as far as seeing where they are around the, um, uh, the strike zone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was pumping strike after strike. So really good to see. I like it. Good stat to track as well. I know Donnie specifically, like, he just wants the pitches on attack mode. He talks about it all the time. You know, 
get him get him in attack mode. Doesn't matter who it is. Could be Bass in safe situations or Sandy or Eliezer. It could be anyone. So yeah, keep keep us uh, up to date with these uh, <laughs> these uh, these new stats you're bringing to this pod. So awesome, Rob Bass for you also. Yeah, on the basis that he's the guy they're starting with, and we we hope he does well. Um, there's no one else really there with with much experience in it. No. You know, it we we you know you could in effect give Dylan Floro a go, or um, you know the the I don't think Yimmy Garcia is probably the right guy to do it. He's a bit you know his form does dip, and he has good days, bad days. Um, Hoyt is there as well, but they're really the setup guys, aren't they? they are. um, so uh, unless somebody else comes along, um, it's going to be Bass's position. Feels like it, doesn't it? It just, in general, with Bass, it just feels like he's, I guess, earmarked as the guy right now. Yimmy Garcia, just on him very briefly, um, conscious that we're running out of time. He, in his last outing, gave up a load of hard contact. Um, I don't, I can't remember who it was against. It may have been the Mets actually uh, this week, and I think he gave up. Did he give up the home run to VR? I think he did. Was that right? I think it was. So I think the three run. Ho- anyway, just to it I was, mentioned, yes. I was going to talk about Jonathan VR. I briefly just my main takeaway is from spring is thank God we don't have Jonathan VR anymore because. He's still the same Jonathan VR we saw in 2020. Three-run blast on a first pitch. Um, and then also the most ridiculous double play I've ever seen, spring training or not, where he tags the guy without the ball in his glove, zings it to first base. First, Brinson beats it out of first base, and the guy drops it, and they still call it a double play. The worst double play I've ever seen. Jonathan VR, big part of that. But anyway... Mets, perfect landing spot for Jonathan VR. Absolutely perfect. I couldn't think of a better spot for that dude. And his, well, he's totally headshot. Anyway, he absolutely obliterated one from Yimmy Garcia is the point I was trying to make. And for him to have two on base as well, they were also obliterated. They just didn't go for home runs. He gave up a lot of hard contact, which was concerning for Yimmy. So um, I also, it's Bass's job, I think. I think Bass, I haven't seen much of him, but I think he will do well. And I think the pen will do well. And I think Bass will be the saves leader by a mile. Um, Some, you know, there'll be a few mixed in, but over, over 25 for Bass. Okay. We will round it off with home runs. Where else? Uh, This one, I think is intriguing, but Lee Dobbs, where are you sitting? Yeah, this is one that probably has the most, you know, candidates. Yeah. For the title. But I'm going to go with Brian Anderson. I think, you know, he's, and I'm going to say over 30. Ooh. So I think, you know, he was fine in form in 2019 when, when he got hurt. He didn't make an even. He had 20 home runs in 126 games in 2019. He had 11 last year in 59. So he's on pace again. You know, if he carried on that pace the whole season, so he's close to, to 30 again. So, yeah, and, and you know, uh, this will be his, his real breakout year, I think. So, yeah, I think Brian Anson and it'll be about 32, 33. One quick follow-up. Of those 33 bombs, how many are oppo with the boppos? 
I think we hit a few, you know, like you know, for you as well. So I'll say nine. <laughs> nine oppo with the boppos for BA. That'd be nice. A lot of t-shirts will be sold. Yeah. That is for sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I like that one, Lee. Uh, Sean, what about you, buddy? Um, I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record here and say I would go with Duvall if I expected him to play the whole season. Again, I think he's probably a trade candidate come mm-hmm. mid-season uh, or the trade deadline. It's hard, really. I mean, I could go BA. That would make sense. But I kind of can't get behind anyone else other than Coop. I love Cooper Luke. I know you I do. Think he's just, he's such a marlin in, in my head. He's a guy that he's, he goes out every game, plays his heart out. He is maximizing his, his skill set. I think, you know, it, nothing would make me happier than seeing him hit 25 home runs a season. Yeah. Think 25 would be enough to be the leader? I think so. Be close. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, be fair, Duval could hit that in 120 games. So it's hard not to choose him. But I got to shine some light on my guy, Coop. Yeah. Love Coop as well. That It's tough. I think maybe the stat that Coop may lead may be home run per plate appearance or some kind of stat of that ilk. Like, I could see Coop winning that. The question is the problem. The Marlins have just got a problem. You know, we signed a DH and there is no DH and we want to play Aguilar as well. Like that's just the, that's just a problem for the Marlins. We've got a DH and nowhere to put him. And unfortunately he's in the same spot as Cooper loop. And I'm telling you, Cooper loop will not be playing much in right field. Like it will be emergencies only for Coop to be out there. So he's in a straight up platoon. I don't, I mean, they're both righty hitters, (laughs) you know, you mentioned that, but Coop actually hits lefties very well. There we go. His, his OPS versus lefties is is probably one of the best on the team. I think he actually sees time at right against lefties. Um, that's not to say that the outfielders that we've got aren't good against lefties as well. But I think that's where if you're going to put Coop in the lineup, that's you know that's an opportunity where you can say we'll take that lesser defense. Yeah. Knowing that we're going to get that added offense. Yeah. So I think I still think Coop gets the at bats. I think you're right that Coop probably can't compete in this level because of the playing time. Mm. But, you know, 400 at-bats, yeah, he probably is, like you said, the leader in home runs over play appearances. There we go. Okay, Rob Newell, how are you seeing this one? Um, I think Lee might be right, because BA should, in effect, in effect get the most at-bats and is trending upwards. And so I can see him actually getting 30 home runs. But if Jesus Aguilar does get significant time at first base, I expect him to be the home run leader. He did get 35 home runs um, back in 2018. And uh, uh, his form was trending back there. He had a, a rough season and he came back and he looked like that guy. He just just got the power. I, I think... Marte and Duval could hit 20 each. We could look a more powerful side than we have been for years. So there is there is scope. If they all keep fit and get enough playing time, we will see as many home runs as what we used to see when we used to have that power outfield of Stanton, Ozuna and Yelich. Yeah. 
in general, guys, or in summary, I'm excited for this Marlins group. Like, we've all, what Lee mentioned there right at the top for the home run uh, candidates is there's a, just a lot of candidates. Like, there truly is. Like, you look around and you go, okay, the two guys platooning at first base, maybe both of them got over 20. Isan Diaz, just imagine if he becomes AAA Isan Diaz. There's another 20. Miggy Rowe, probably not. BA, 25 plus at third. All of your outfield can deliver 20 plus, all of the outfield. So don't forget your catcher as well. Alfaro, if he fires up and starts Oppo with a Bopo in, he can get 20 as well. Anyone can hit 20 home runs. Um, it's a really exciting, uh, exciting power lineup, I think. It's sneakily, it's sneakily powerful now, especially with Duval. But my leader, oh, this is so tough. It's so tough, but I'm going Duvall. I'm going Duvall. I think he's just going to be inked in. I think he's going to play all the time, and he's going to hit 230, but he's going to hit over 30 bombs. So that's Duvall. That's what he is. So that is it. I think think that's it for prediction segment one. Excited for the full-blown... NL East hot takes. That's going to be fun. Um, some other uh, just minor news and notes. Well, one really. Uh, fantasy Baseball Leagues. So the Marlins uh, Marlins UK Leagues that I'm putting on. Uh, for any Marlins fans out there, we have filled one league. It's completely full. That is the, uh, the Oppo Boppo League. It's a 20-team head-to-head league. Uh, I'm in it. Lee Dobbs is in that one. Sean, I think. Are you in that one? Are you in the Oppo Boppo? Nope, he's not in that one. Uh, Dan, Dan the Man Healy is in that one for sure. So anyway, we've got that one filled. So we've then added a second league. And this is the huge plums league. That one is what Sean Barrett is in. I'm also in that one too as Kamish. And uh, there are currently, as I look at the league now, we have three spots Three spots still open for the huge plums. If we fill it and there's demand, we will go for a third league. Let's see if we can get three 20-team leagues set up, 60 Marlins fans all competing. Winner of the league gets a Marlins UK Teespring tea of your choice. You can choose from any of them, Oppo with a Boppo, winning with NG. Ang, win Ang, I guess is how it, I guess it reads. <laughs> um, you've got huge plums. You've got dick shot. You've got so many t-shirts in there to pick from. There's too many. Uh, Capitan's in there. Anyway, so that's just one. If you want to be in it, DM me. You know where I am, guys, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. DM me. I will send you the link. Rob Newell will not be participating this year. He's in too many leagues. Too many leagues, he said. So he, uh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in one of the, the deepest of deepest dynasties of all time. I'm having to choose between whether I want to keep Stephen Matz or Luke Weaver. So I'm, I'm in that kind of... Uh, they're, they're the problems I have to think about at the moment. Oh, my days. That is, that is one hell of a league. That is deep. That's the deepest league I've ever heard of in my life. Um, and I think that is it, guys. I think that rounds us off for this week. I'm just checking Twitter to see if there's any other spring training updates that I've missed before I hit record. 
And we have one actually. So Daniel DeVivo, uh, top dude Daniel, uh, he's put down here. Isan Diaz, uh, I guess, doing what we've always known he can do. So, yep, a lot more Isan love and hype. And also, he's mentioned Braxton Garrett's fastball touching 94 with his command and secondaries look out world. <laughs> Danny DeVivo bringing it there. Love it. So, I think that rounds it off. That's been spring training coverage. That has been some predictions and some takeaways. I think that's us, guys. Have I missed anything? No, the guys are shaking their heads. I have not missed anything. Um, That is episode 82 in the books. We'll be back next week with episode 83, of course. And it will be, of course, next Tuesday. So until then, guys, stay safe. I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks.